Hello, welcome to the second episode of Public Theology for Ash Grove. I'm Corbin, your host, and today we are going to be getting into a new topic in a series. But before we talk about that, I do want to mention this. You're probably wondering if you've listened to the first episode and been following along since this podcast has started. You're probably wondering, wow, he's already posting a second episode the day after the first episode. Is he normally going to post this much and this sporadically? And the answer to that question, and it is a good question, mind you, is no, I'm not planning on posting that much. More than likely, I will be posting either once a week every Tuesday or once every other week on Tuesdays is when I plan to upload these videos. So you can expect more content from us on Tuesdays. But for right now, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a couple introduction episodes out, a few just right off the bat episodes and conversations out because I want there to be some content on this channel already that way we've got a few things that you can listen to and, and not have you waiting for this for a week for the second or third episode so with that said i want to start today's episode by both introducing the series of episodes and also giving two disclaimers so first let's introduce this series so over the next several months I will be doing a series of episodes examining psychology and psychiatry from a biblical perspective, right? And this goes along with the, the goal of our show to do theology publicly. I'm going to engage something that's very popular in culture, a very popular way of thinking, something that's typically deemed a science. I'm going to take something that is in culture, and I'm going to address it and, and analyze it through a biblical worldview. So we're going to do public theology in relation to psychology and psychiatry. And this will be pretty much just a mini-series that'll go on for, for a few episodes, not for very long, where, where I just want to talk about a few different aspects and, and help us to think well and to think Christianly about something that's very big in American culture. So what this will likely look like is every upper, uh, every other, excuse me, every other episode will be a part of this series and then the episodes in between every other episode will will be other conversations and talks. That way we have some diversity in the content that we will be putting out. We're going to hit on this topic from a variety of angles and think Christianly about one of the most prominent philosophies. Notice I use the word philo philosophies of our day. Today I want to start by analyzing the roots of modern day psychology and psychiatry and look at just how scientific or medical it actually is specifically today in, in, in kind of a very direct zoom in look of what we're going to do today. I want to look at the roots of psychology and psychiatry and Freudian Freudianism and Freud's thoughts and also in, in Freudian psychoanalysis is what we're going to do. So we're going to look at the roots of, of really where it all began and examine it against a biblical worldview. Second, I want to give my first disclaimer for the series. I understand and I am fully aware that some people who may be listening into this episode and the following episodes have a psychiatric diagnosis, a mental health struggle, or even a psychiatric or are even on a psychiatric medication. My goal in this episode series and in this specific episode is not to say that your problem is not real. Not at all. Not saying that whatsoever. My goal is not to say that your suffering and struggle is non-existent or fake, or even to overly reduce and simplify the complicated issues of life. That is not my goal. That is not what I'm getting at. I am in no way denying the legitimacy of human problems and suffering, nor 
am I proposing a anti-doctor or an anti-medicine rhetoric? I fully believe in medicine and doctors. It's common grace. It's, it's, it's something that we are allowed in Christian freedom to use. Rather, what I'm going to argue is not a denial of real hurts and struggles, but a different and more biblical way to think about them and categorize them. And not only a different way, but a way that is filled with far more hope than a secular view of these issues, which are common, commonly labeled as mental illnesses. Right, so we are going to look. We're, we're rethinking this this subject. I'm not denying the reality of problems. We're rethinking it, and, and we're going to work from the premise, the conviction that I gave in our first episode, that Scripture is absolute authoritative truth, and it's where we need to begin in our thinking and our presuppositions and our understanding. So please understand my heart in this. I am not denying real struggles. Rather, I'm offering a better way to think about them. Third, and this is my second disclaimer, I'm not making a blanket statement saying that every single single detail, statistic, observation, study, and psychologist or psychiatrist is wrong. What I am saying is on a broad scale, psychology and psychiatry are at odds with a biblical worldview, and I'll explain that over this episode series. And also, I want to say this, if you, you end up listening to just this first episode, and you're like, oh man, this guy, he, he, he's way off, he, he's, he's saying wild things I don't really understand, give this series a shot. And, and listen through the episodes in this series. Is this I, I'm not going to do things in like I'm giving a whole huge argument in one episode. What I'm going to be doing is I'm breaking up a longer argument, a, a larger argument against these things, and I'm breaking it up into multiple episodes. So this episode is a part of my argument, but the next episode is the next part, and, and so on. So give the series a shot by listening to all the parts of the whole. Don't just judge uh, the the whole by 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 one aspect of it, okay, uh, and and I would do the same for you. So, lend your ear, all right, as we think well about this. So, I also want to say this: there are many true, good, and helpful aspects of psychology and psychiatry. I in no way deny that. I'm in no way rejecting branches of psychology and 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 medicine like neurology or the study study the parts of the brain and and the nervous system the study of the body uh i'm not denying biological medical research what i am rejecting is a side of psychology and psychiatry that is non-biological that cannot be proven through a laboratory test diseases with without pathology And, and with that said let's get into it today, psychology is seen as a brain science, or specifically the science, specifically and and I guess broadly, the science that examines mental behavior. Psychology has in every way redefined American culture. It determines who can draw, for instance, a social security check, what kind of insurance you can get, effectiveness or eligibility for certain jobs, or whether or not the death penalty will be received for crimes of mass murder or or even just long life sentences. It determines where some people will go to jail, whether it's a mental institution or actual prison. And with the significance and the prominence of psychology and psychiatry in our culture, the question must be asked, and really there's two questions we must, must ask. Firstly, we must ask, are they actually scientific? And I hope to answer that question in part this week. 
And the second question we must ask as Christians who are seeking to reason from the objective truth of Scripture and think about things Christianly and see things through a Christian worldview, we must ask, does it really fit with a biblical worldview? Is it in line with what Scripture says? Is it antithetical to the gospel? And this is my week's aim to answer really in part both of those questions, and these questions are what we're going to tease out over the next uh, several episodes in the series, and we're going to start today by analyzing the roots of psychology and psychiatry and Freudian psychoanalysis, which is where it all began. So, beginning with an examination of the very word psychology and also psychoanalysis, the word's etymology, speaking of psychology now, is Greek with suke meaning soul, and logia, meaning study of. The term in itself denotes not a science, but a study of the immaterial self, the soul or the spirit, which, is by, which by definition falls in the category of philosophy and theology rather than a hard science like chemistry. It's not a, a, the, the word gives the idea not of a, a, uh, the study of something physical and material that we can see and touch and hold, but rather a, a immaterial part, the, the, the inner man, as Scripture would call it. But, but psychology's aim is not to study something like tree stumps or rocks that you can hold and look at and, and all of that. No, it's, it's the study of the immaterial self, at least according to its name. And this, the, the name becomes even more ironic when we look at the look to the origin of psychoanalysis with Sigmund Freud, which, again, uses the same root word for psych, the soul, but this time in connection with analysis. So it's the analysis of the soul. Richard Gans, a leading psychiatrist of his day, wrote this. It was in the area of personal accountability to the God of the Bible that Freud parted company with his Jewish heritage. Freud hated the idea of God and especially the God of the Jews and his son, as Freud saw it, the God of the Gentiles. He viewed religious behavior as at best neurosis, which is a drastic and irrational mental reaction. The noted psychoanalyst Eric Fromm, a follower of Freud, wrote in Psychoanalysis and Religion that psychoanalysis is the study of the soul of man. This is ironic because Freud was a metaphysical materialist, which means he did not believe that man possessed a soul. The claims of psychoanalysis and psychology and psychiatry at its roots in Freudianism and, and Freud's psychoanalysis is the study of the soul. And then, of course, the question, and we're not going to get into this too, too much here, the question is, who has dominion over the cure of souls, over defining what the soul is and how to care for it. Does man or does God who created the soul and, 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 and who is spirit and, and ministers to us spiritually? That's a question that also needs to be asked. Who has dominion over the care and cure of souls? The father of psychology denies the theological reality of the soul while his followers and the word psychoanalysis itself claim that the secularists have dominion in the study and cure of souls and is in itself the study of the soul rather than the biological brain. Not to mention that the father of modern psychology, Freud, was a hater of God and of Jesus Christ. This is especially striking when we consider Psalm 1, which tells us the way to flourish as followers of God Happy or flourishing is the man, Psalm 1 says, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. 
And yet many Christians, and of course non-Christians today, not only put their identity but their lives in the hands of alleged science rooted in a philosophy created by a hater of our God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. I would call that sitting in the company of scoffers. Now let's take a deeper look at psychology's root with Freud by looking at the fundamentals of Freudian theory and therapy. And I'm going to use uh, some quotes from Jay Adams, who, who started what's called the Biblical Counseling Movement in 1970, and he started it with his stellar work, which is probably one of my all-time favorite books, Competent to Counsel. Uh, Adams studied under uh, a leading uh, uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, during his day, and he writes this book, and it's really a scathing analysis of Freud, specifically against the Christian worldview. So in his book, Competent to Counsel, Adams analyzes Freudian theory, and he says this. Man, he said, has basic primitive wants, impulses, or drives which seek expression. Now remember, this is Adams breaking down Freudian theory. These Freud called the ID, sex and aggression, but in man, there is also the superego, roughly equivalent to what more often has been called the conscience. The superego is socialized into the individual by his parents, the church, teachers, etc. The superego is the culprit in the Freudian system. According to Freud, the problem with the mentally ill is an overly so over-socialization of the superego. An over-socialized conscience is overly severe and overly strict. The mentally ill are victims of the superego. The ego, the third unit of man, is the arbiter or conscious self. A conflict arises when the ID, which is sex and aggression, desires to be expressed but is frustrated by the superego, what is taught by parents, the church, education, primitive uh, education, hinder, and it hinders the the. ID causing mental illness is, is what he's talking about here. Uh, continuing the quote, the primitive wants to seek expression, but the overly severe superego standing at the threshold hinders the ID from expressing itself in the conscious life of the individual. This battle, which takes place on the subconscious level, is the source of one's difficulties. So the roots of psychology, and, and, the, and the quote is over now, by the way, the roots of psychology in Freudian theory and the, in the Freudian theory of psychoanalysis, do not say man, sin, wickedness, or life in a fallen world, fallen, fallen and cursed world is the problem as the Bible would. It's not suffering as a result of sin. It's not pain as a result of sin. No, according to Freudian psychoanalysis, the problem is rules. When the superego frustrates the ID, the problem is rules, parenting, religion, and education. Next, I want to show you this. This is a transcript from a tape of a counseling session led by Albert Ellis, who practiced Freudian theory. Jay Adams notes uh, about this transcript that Ellis threatens his clients, threatens that his clients, client will never be released from treatment until she does away with her moral values. Here's the transcript. Begin quote. Your problem, actually, is the fact that you have a lot of what I call shoulds, oughts, and musts. The main issue, as I said before in my estimation, is that you set up a lot of shoulds, oughts, and musts, which unfortunately you were taught when you, when you were very young. You were taught by your father, your mother, your church, but if you didn't have this concept of ought, which unfortunately is nicely defeating your own, own ends, then you wouldn't believe this, you wouldn't be disturbed. So what's happening here is 
this psychoanalyst is using Freudian theory, and he's saying that the problem with his patient is that they have learned rules from religion, from their parents, from their church, and as a result, those rules are causing them to be disturbed and disillusioned. The culprit in Freudian theory is rules, is truth, is religion, is education. Adams goes on and he summarizes his analysis of Freud's psychoanalysis by stating this. If Freud's view were correct, namely the trouble that arises whenever the ID has been repressed by an overstrict conscious or superego, then really our day ought to be a day of widespread mental health rather than a day of unparalleled numbers of personal problems. For ours is not a day of repression but of permissiveness. And that is very true. And this was written in 1970, mind you. Today, we live in a day of far more permissiveness than repression than even in 1970. Just look around, look at 2020 and all that happened in that year. So what he's saying is, if the and, and let, me summarize, let me summarize this maybe a little bit more concisely. If the absence of rules, education, and religion is what causes mental distress, then today, which for Adams was 1970, and for us now is 2021, 20, 2021, excuse me, mental illness should have evaporated according to Freudian, Freudian theory. If rules and repression and education and religion is what causes mental illness, whenever our wants and desires war against those things, if that's what causes mental illness, then a day where everything is permissive, especially in 2020 and 2021, then according to Freud, mental illness should be a thing of the past. should be gone. Nobody should be struggling with it anymore. There's never been a day when rules, education, structure, and religion has not only been so rejected, but even despised than today in 2021. According to, according to Freudian theory, mental illness should be nearing its extinction today. And yet mental health problems have never been worse. In fact, with the rise of psychology and psychiatry, the problem has actually grown. And we're going to get into that in, in the next episode. Adams goes on to say this, if Freudianism is true, the most immoral people, or at best amoral people, so immoral being people who do wrong, amoral being people without morals, neutral, should be the healthiest. Whereas, in fact, the opposite is true. Immorality of every sort, irresponsibility towards God and man, i.e. the breaking of God's commandments, is found most prominently among people with personal problems. What Adams is saying here is that Freudianism claims that the, that the immoral or amoral person is or ought to be the happiest, the healthiest, and yet in life we see that the person, the, the person, the person who breaks the law of God actually leads a life full of problems. Think of James 1, the one who is double-souled following both God and the world lives a chaotic life and is tossed in every direction. I want us to interpret what Freudianism is saying through a Christian worldview. According to Freudianism, rules, education, religion, and therefore doctrine or religious teaching are what cause mental illness and mental distress. And that health and happiness is found in living autonomous from rules, religion, and education, which sounds really very similar to postmodernism. As Christians, however, we believe that God provides objective, ultimate truth in his word, the Bible in his law. 
which according to Psalms, that when delighted in, leads to happiness and flourishing. See, the Bible says the exact opposite of Freud. What we have here are two world views that are in direct conflict or opposition to one another. One says, do what you want and ignore the rules and that'll make you happy. While the other says, obey the law of God and you will be happy. Not only will you be happy, but you'll flourish. Only one can be true. The roots of psychology and psychiatry in Freudian psychoanalysis are antithetical to the Christian worldview. Primarily because in order to accept Freudianism as true, you would have to reject the, the scriptures as absolute authoritative truth. Can't have your cake and eat it here. These are the roots of modern psychology. I've shown you this to highlight the point that its origins are not rooted in hard science, biological chemistry, or observable reaction, but rather a theological philosophy that is antithetical to biblical theology and a Christian worldview. What we have here is actually a different version of anthropology. Anthropology being the, the doctrine of man. Scripture presents one doctrine of man that says that we're made in the image of God, that we have an inner man and an outer man, a soul and a body. But Freudianism says the opposite. Freudianism says that we're three parts, that we're an idea, superego, and an ego. Freudianism says that, 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 that we have these desires and that religion is what suppresses those desires, and, and those desires need to be set free. But Scripture says the exact opposite. Scripture says that we must war against our desires. Scripture says that we must put to death the desires of the flesh and live in the Spirit. These two worldviews are completely opposed. Which one will you accept, accept is the question. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Public Theology for Ashgrove. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'm excited to continue this conversation with you all about psychiatry and psychology. The next time we get together to talk about this subject, we will specifically be answering the question, is psychiatry scientific? That's what we'll be looking at next time. Until then, think well.